This episode of Driven Minds Podcast is brought to you by Epicurious Safari. Epicurious Safari is a brand that celebrates and cultivates talent in the food, beverage, and hospitality industry from the Caribbean and African diaspora. Enjoy $150 off your first curated cocktail party or brunch booked with them. Enter discount code DELICIOUSLYUNIQUE. Visit them online at epicuriousafari.co and on Instagram at epicuriousafari. Enjoy the show. Driven Minds Podcast is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. Yes, sir. Season four. And we're in with another esteemed guest, uh, psychiatrist, the uh, therapeutic facilitator of hashtag Ask Dr. Jess, Dr. Jessica Clemens, a.k.a. Dr. Jess. There you go. Welcome. We're just extremely happy to have you on this uh, episode of Driven Minds. Um, Just the work you're doing. The giving back, the empowering of, of our community, um, it's amazing, you know, and um, we definitely want to salute you and um, just have this conversation just talking about your, you know, your life story and, you know, what brought you to, you know, this space of um, being a therapist, being a psychiatrist. And, um, you know, just could start off just telling us about, about you and uh, what you do and, yeah, tell the people. Yeah, so um, I'm endearingly now, Dr. Jess. Um, my story, I think, goes back to like always wanting to be a doctor. Um, ever since I was like young, I grew up in Alabama. If you can hear the accent, it's uh, still there. <laughs> um, but I didn't think I would be a psychiatrist. So um, that actually happened like third year of med school when you're going and trying all of these different specialties out, which is a part of the requirement. And I just remember how connected I felt with the patients I was seeing. So when it came down to deciding, I decided to do psychiatry. Of course, my mom was just like, okay, where are you gonna get patients? Like, black folk don't go, we don't go see therapists. Point, right? So it was, it was a big transition, my um, first year of residency, which I'm still in, I have one more year, um, but just kind of trying to sort out, did I make the right choice? Should I have been like OBGYN or like cardiologist? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really, really rewarding and I found that I've been able to use social media as a way to kind of find those patients that my mom thinks that I won't, you know, be able to connect with. And not saying I'm treating people through social media, but finding that there is a need and that people now have a space where they can say, like, actually, I am suffering from this or that. And so um, it's been exciting. It's definitely you, you take home a lot of the stories, but I find that there's a lot of hope that people have mm-hmm. in the darkness sometimes. So. That's dope. The um, what made was there something like particular that made you know you wanted to help people like as far as being as far as in a mental you know like um I feel like that takes you gotta be a special type of person to realize like okay I can help people this way was there like a moment that made you realize that yeah so it it actually was so in in medical school there I, so I knew depression was just like when people are really sad all of the time I don't think I had actually experienced anyone in my life that was depressed or taking medication for it so I just thought like these people are really sad and they just need to get over it it's kind of what I thought before doing the rotation 
Um, but I was treating someone who was hospitalized and his depression was so bad that he couldn't talk. And he like wow. really sat in one space, literally. In, 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 you had to actually like physically go over and help him move, like he was that frozen. And so I learned that that's how severe depression can get. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for me, when I was seeing the different treatment that we did to help him one day, he just kind of like perked up and sitting with him, he reminded me that my just sitting there with him was actually what kind of helped him while mm -hmm. like he wasn't able to talk or, you know, just going and sitting there. So for me, I felt like that's something that takes a special person to do and, and it's not easy, but I think that moment was like, it's not about the medication, it's not about doing something because people are gonna be proud of me but really like this person had no one else and I'm sitting there and then you know we treated him but like it was that moment together that mm. really I think helped him kind of endure it because that's really really painful to be in this place where you're just so frozen you can't move and you're depressed like it's it's really weird so that was a moment for me mm. and the doctor I was working with after he was the patient was like more you know, up and walking around literally was like, that's psychiatry. Wow. It's just like, that's, okay. <laughs> that's really interesting because the, the more um, we had the privilege of speaking to individuals like you, I'm realizing it's more of an um, a energy thing. Mm -hmm. Well, in your professional opinion, how much of it is cognitive and how much of it is emotional? Hmm. That is such a great question. So, I mean, there's, there's different schools of thought about it because psychiatry has like the people that are strictly medication-based, so um, I imagine those people who practice that way think about it being more like cognitive or a biological process, like, you know, you don't have enough of this chemical in your brain, so we're gonna give this medication to help increase that chemical, right, like serotonin or epinephrine. So you have that school of thought. I'm actually halfway in that because I'm, you know, a psychiatrist, so we went to med school, we learned about meds, but I'm also really interested in the, like, dynamic part so that emotional part that you're talking about which is you know what happened to this person that led them to become depressed mm. and like sure there might be like a chemical imbalance but like something got them there um so you, you find people that are either like one or the other or kind of in the middle and that's where i am i i truly believe that for most people there's something emotional like a mm. process that happened right mm. um being abandoned being traumatized you know, being black in America and dealing with a lot. And, um, and so that's not just simply a chemical problem. That's something that maybe led to it. Mm -hmm. So I, I find that's why the therapy is really important because you can start to unpack, like, what is it that led you to feel depressed? Exactly. Um, even with that, what are the different levels of therapy? Because sometimes, you know, I mean, I feel like um, I'm sane to a certain level. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at times, I want to talk about some shit too. I want to pack my thoughts, but I don't. It's like you don't know, especially with black people. I don't, I don't think we know the different, like what level of, uh, you know, um, emotional um, insecurity or emotional trauma do you need to actually say, okay, I should speak to somebody. I should speak to a psychiatrist, therapist. Is there like a certain level where you know you should go out and get help, or like, because sometimes you know, like I said, I have thoughts like, damn. If I could talk to somebody, I don't necessarily want to talk to my moms or mm -hmm. my friends or my family. What um, what do you feel about that? Um, so I think I like think everybody should be in therapy. Mm. Uh, the reason I think it, it gives you another space to be able to talk about things. Mm. Um, to your point of like not necessarily wanting to talk to your mother about certain things or like a friend, whatever. Right. Um, 
I just think it's almost like a tune-up that happens. If you have the type of therapist that's not trying to label you with a diagnosis, it's really just a space where you learn more about yourself. Like, why do I react this way when, you know, that happens? Why do I take breakups this way? Or why am I having a hard time at work? So I think it's a great place to learn about yourself. But I realize that that's not always accessible. So definitely, if a person is struggling with depressive thoughts, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, like, you know, the constant worrying and it's not helping, um, that's definitely when you want to seek help. But I've, I mean, I'm in therapy because it's a part of the, the training, but I felt like if I didn't have it, I wouldn't probably even have a deeper understanding of myself. Because you, wow. you get in there, you develop a relationship with this therapist, and you, you act out a lot of the same things that you do with your family and friends. And it's really kind of interesting. Like, you do start to develop anger towards your therapist, or you misread things, and you wow. talk about it. And then that's where you heal, right? You learn like, oh, no, your therapist actually doesn't care about that, but you you thought that they did. So you start to, like, unpack that. But the difference is in that relationship, you talk about it. Whereas, let's say you have a conflict with a friend, you don't really go back and say, like, actually, it really upset me that you didn't answer my text. <laughs> right? How often do you do that? Yeah, yeah. But with your therapist, you're gonna there's nothing to do but sit there. Yeah. So you might say, actually, I'm, I'm mad that you asked for you know, my bill or for me to pay the bill this month. I, I'm, I'm actually mad about that. And you process it. Mm. So I, I think everyone should think about it. I feel you. Especially if you want to get it deeper. I feel I'm trying to lie on the couch and talk some shit. In terms of, so it, it really sounds like, you know, you're really um, kind of educating people and, and training people how to deal with their stress, their traumas, their anxieties. Um, how, what is the process like for the brain to be able to recognize that change so they develop like healthier habits? Is there like a time frame or? Hmm. I don't know if there's a strict time frame. Um, you know, I think like we're, we're creatures of like, you have to show things multiple times before you can learn it. So I think it depends on every person. There's definitely like to the question about therapy, there's definitely types of therapy that are more structured and they do believe have a, a shorter time frame to learn certain skills. Um, but the kind of therapy where you're lying down, that process can take years because you're going to keep kind of learning the same thing over and over until one day it just kind of clicks. Mm. So I don't think there's a set time frame to okay. learn some of these skills. And just to piggyback off Trav's question, mine is kind of like a double-headed question. In terms of like, um, you know, therapy for men and women, um, are there like different, you know, responses initially or... or or do the different sexes like respond differently? Um, and then in addition to that question, have you noticed any like cultural differences? I remember like hearing in The Departed and like I did the Googles like <laughs> Freud, Freud said that um, like the Irish were the only people who were impervious to like therapy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it just doesn't I make mean, sense, right? Yeah. So like are there any like cultural differences as well? So, okay, both questions. So between men and women, I think it, it depends on like the person in terms of uh, their openness. Mm -hmm. So part of the success of therapy is how, like the, how much the person is open or kind of vulnerable, like how close are they able to, or how much are they able to like access their feelings and like show them. That's one piece. The other piece is like, do they believe it will help them? So if they don't, then it's not really going to, to be successful because, again, people will have their guard up and not really kind of allow the person to be curious or give like their opinions about things. 
Um, in my work, I've found that I've been able to, well, I have a lot more women, I think, than men. I only have like a handful of like black males. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, um, you know, I'm not going to disclose a lot, but there was, there was one particular person who I found actually wanted to avoid that closeness and so kind of just like left treatment. So that makes me think that for men, particularly black men, there's, there's a lot of kind of layers in terms of how much they're willing to let someone get close, especially if you've had trauma, loss, sudden death. Um, so I, I, th I do think it's how much a person is able to be open. And culturally, definitely, there, there are differences um, from, you know, depending on how much a culture thinks about mental health. Like some, some cultures really don't pursue it, you know, that before they say that they have a problem that, like, is depression, they'll name it something else. Like there's some Asian cultures like that or mm -hmm. Asian backgrounds where they don't identify their depression as being depressed. They, like, name it something else. So there's definitely differences. Right. Um, cause interesting if you said that about um, you have a lot of women, cause I, f I find like I I have homegirls that I speak to all the time, and um, one of them made sure uh, you know, she was trying to find a therapist, but it was important for her to find a black complement therapist because mm -hmm. she understands that person. And it's like a, it's almost I feel like it's it's rare. It's, it's like it's very hard. You know what I mean? Even for the, I guess it's probably hard to find a black man. Do you feel like just having somebody that you know that looks like you can probably understand your issues a little bit more? You think that affects the the, um, um, the uh, effectiveness of therapy with somebody of color? Yeah, so I think it does. Um, you're right. There are not a lot of black psychiatrists. First of all, definitely. Um, like in my residency, I'm not the only one in my class. That's I kind of always say that, but wow. um, 2018 is still like that. Yeah, it is. So I think it does. I think it's an act. It gets. It, it prevents people from coming into the door, right? So if people really need to feel like they can identify with their therapist or psychiatrist based on race and gender. It's hard already if you're a black female or or black. But I always tell people because I truly believe like the the process of therapy is about really just like deepening your understanding of yourself, dealing with symptoms, but you learn how to not avoid the pain anymore. So I advise people like, don't wait to find the therapist that looks exactly like you. Um, you know, find someone that you can just project all this bad stuff onto and start to learn about it. Because uh, that's what you'll do. Like you'll, the parts of you that you don't like, like you'll, you'll end up projecting it onto the therapist. So you'll think the therapist is judging you when they're not. And so eventually that comes up. So to your question, I think it's helpful, but I don't think people should avoid it. Just go in and talk about it. Like, I don't like that you're not black. Go in and say that. You can do that? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that was honest. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I wanted to jump into this. So hashtag Ask Dr. Jess. Like, we live in a digital society, and there's a rise of digital therapy. Like, I've been hearing about companies like Talkspace, where you can talk to people who can coach you through whatever you're going through. But it seems like a really interesting... Um, juxtaposition because this, the phone, is a source or, or a trigger for most of that trauma. So mm. how, how, how do you, you know, navigate that as, as you know, somebody in our um, generation who has those tools and are treating or helping to um, do initial treatment through uh, digital spaces? Yeah, I mean, I think you just have to meet people where they are. 
Um, that's a huge problem within mental health in general. So we don't know how to access people who need it. So they're still trying to do things like, you know, give out flyers, put up the billboard, but like people don't respond to that. I mm -hmm. think they don't feel the connection. So my way is just to look at it like I'm pretty, you know, open. Um, like, you know, I'm not the doctor that like hides. I'm in a relationship and married. Like I don't, I, I, my page is very much a reflection of my life. Um, you know, I don't always post I'm a doctor, but but that comes up. So I just try to use it as a way to, to be open. And I think people connect with me and then their guard is down. So then they may say things about, I'm actually looking for a therapist or, or that. So I navigate it by just being honest. And for now, I respond to like every DM I get and every question, which, you know, I know I may not be able to do that as things kind of like develop, but I try to be open and, and try to direct people in the right places to go. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, kind of uh, while I was doing my Googles, I also saw that you're a yoga instructor. And um, uh, is, was that not? Yeah, no. So, right, so that's a judo for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but but I am working with so one of my good, good friends. She's a yoga, yoga instructor. And okay. together we... We do a workshop, if that's what you're Okay, so pardon me. One day, maybe I'll do that. You know, yeah. But um, uh, can you talk to, uh, speak to the, the connection between the, you know, the body and, and, and mind aspect of it? Um, you know, what, what are some of the benefits or, or maybe even like drawbacks of those um, different forms of ter therapy? Yeah, so I mean, it's, yoga is incredible. I don't know the exact uh, statistics that's, not really my strong suit, but there's definitely data out there that shows people who engage in like yoga, meditation, like parts of the brain that are responsible for like fear and anxiety are like less active than in minds who don't participate, people who don't participate in like meditation yoga. So there's definitely a connection um, between like body and mind. So Yoga is great. I mean, maybe I'll like go and become a yoga instructor now that you've given me that <laughs> title because I think I think it's incredible. I mean, like so much so that I've been partnered with a friend uh, who has a yoga studio in, in Bedside, and we do a workshop called oh. Serving Myself. So okay, nice. Yeah, so we try to incorporate like introducing these concepts about mental health because it's scary. So we mm -hmm. try to just introduce it, but then we bring in like the importance of meditation and and mindfulness and and. I mean, those things are really, I think, key. Medication has its use, but if you can find a way to really learn how to sit with yourself, come to your breath, that's a lot of the techniques that we teach people who deal with like panic attacks mm -hmm. and anxiety. So definitely yoga, running. I mean, there are people who talk about how it's like a meditative process when they're running. Mm -hmm. Anytime that you can just be with yourself and your body and not be distracted by like, music or phones or this or that it's it's really going to be key in terms of your mental health so mm. um is there a would you say a recipe right for um that every human being can like adopt that can just lay the foundation of happiness i said this previously mm -hmm. kind of really blew me up was um the anti-bourdain story mm -hmm. um rest in peace that shit like kind of blew my mind because here's this guy doing all the things I feel like you need to do to secure, to, to, to be happy, which is, you know, traveling, um, eating good food, I love food, <laughs> you know, and securing the bag while he's at it. 
mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what more do you want from me? <laughs> like, I'm happy, you know what I mean? So, is there like a recipe? Um, um, and it was just a sad story to hear because it was just like it blew me away. And is there a recipe you feel that people can adopt to like just you know lay that foundation for a happy life? Well, that is such a great question. I think, I think the foundation of it is being present in the moment. And so what I mean by that is, I mean, the concept of mindfulness is when you are able to just be here right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we're here right now shooting this podcast. I'm, like, paying attention to how exciting it is. You know, I'm paying attention to, like, okay, am I nervous? You know, these are the things where you stay right here in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so what that helps you to do is it, it distracts you a little bit from those things that maybe when you leave here you'll be thinking about, mm-hmm. right? Those things that maybe can get you into a place that's dark. Um, so I, I think that's a part of like the main thing that anyone can do. If you're stressed, if you're feeling hopeless, like finding yourself being in that moment, like whether it's eating a piece of fruit and just remembering like how good it is or taking in the pieces slowly, like that I think is a part of the foundation for contentment, which I think is a little bit different than like that blissful feeling. I think if we strive to be content. Um, the other piece, I mean, speaking to, you know, all these losses we've had, I think it's important to, to, to have connections with people. Um, I was actually having a conversation with a friend who also had someone close who was lost by suicide, and we just talked about isolation and what happens, like what do people think when they're by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if someone can learn to have a mantra that they think about when they're alone, it can help to push away those kind of more dark thoughts that may come up if someone's prone to that. So the other thing I think that people can develop is like a personal mantra. Um, So mine is always life is good. So I remember that even when like it's stressful, I just say it, right? And and then this is probably not a psychiatric thought, but like I do believe that what you put out out into the universe, like it, it hears you and it comes back. So rather than me saying that this sucks or like, you know, I'll never be this, I'll never be that, I found that I just try to say life is good. And then opportunities I find like come up because I'm I believe I'm putting it out there. Mm. Not quite maybe your question, but it's no, it's no. really how I, I believe it's all like you do have to be mindful of what you're saying and what you're thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you um, um do the help you're giving people, the sessions you're giving people, um, do you get what do you get out of it? It's like does it do, does something for your soul, for your energy? Do you feel like positive after you know you've helped people? That is like such a great question. I'm glad you, you asked. I've never actually had anyone ask that, but I do. Mm-hmm. It's like when I do, yeah. Because <laughs> I think I think like you know people will say like you know what do you do to deal with the stress? But actually, I feel really good. You know, I feel um, like on the lives, I'll play music and then at the mm-hmm. end. Sometimes I'll show like a clip of myself like dancing to the music after like I'll feel, you know, if it, I'll just feel so like inflated and like good and not in this way where like I'm doing it for that, but I feel like I'm getting, I'm connecting with people and being a resource and that feels really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely get a lot out of it. It's, it's not this exhausting experience is actually really really powerful and like I feel lucky to be able to meet people when they're not able to process what's happening like to be that that person that can just 
contain it. That's really all it is. You're containing something that someone's feeling that's too intense. You're just containing it for a little while. Gotcha. Like gotcha. taking that load off. Cool. So, dope question. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Trevi. Thank you. <laughs> um, my, my, I have another question. Um, where you mentioned that you're from Alabama. Um, my, my parents are from the West Indies. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any um things that you've learned like early in, in your culture that you think is transferable for that ring true for people that that um, can help them like kind of self. Uh, soothe or self therapize. Yeah. Is that a word? I think so. I like, I'm gonna use that. Yeah, it, it is. Self therapize. No, I think it is. I'm, I'm never good at words. So don't ask me. Um, definitely. So, I mean, growing up in the South, there's a warmness that I think people say like they feel for me but I think it's because of where I grew up Mm -hmm. so I know immediately like when I go home to Alabama we are how are you how you're doing like and my mom's always like I just want to get through the grocery store and not have all these discussions she's from like you know Detroit so Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more of an edge um that you you have to have so I think the warmness which for me translates to connectedness and I think that if people can strive to feel connected, like we can do that even in New York, like I'll, I'll make an effort sometimes if I see something a kid, a kid is doing that's cute and I want to smile, I'll smile. Or I'll tell someone like, oh, your kid is just looks so nice today. And, and I feel like then that's like an exchange, um, which, you know, for some people it can be weird, but I find that it's it's been what, what helps me go. And then just seeing people's reaction of like, we all want to be connected, right? You don't want to just go through life alone. You actually can't. Um, you know, that's why people who are, uh, you know, in solitary confinement in prisons, like, they come out and they're not the same, right? Mm-hmm. Because that does something to you. Mm-hmm. There's, like, I don't know if it was an actual study, but children who were um, in orphanages, like, you know, decades ago, they didn't have, like, any touch. And, like, these kids were smaller. They didn't have, like, their language wasn't fully formed. So, like, we need to feel connected. Mm-hmm. So I think, like... You know, West Indian culture, there's a family, strong connection, and that goes a long way. Yeah. You can't do this by yourself. You need to, you need those connections. Definitely. Fire. Do, do um, even as a black woman therapist, do you feel like, psychiatrist, sorry, um, do you feel like um, it was a certain responsibility after you, you know, you knew that you would move into this career, is it a certain responsibility to help those in your community? Because I'm pretty sure after being inside, you got family members hitting you up. You would be like, y'all, I got this issue. Because <laughs> I don't care. My cousin was there. I was like, what? That's my number done. I know what happens, so do you feel like there's some sort of responsibility to, like, you know, carry this, you know, part? I do, yeah. Um, which, that's guilt, you know. I'm, I'm sure, like, a lot of us do. I always just, I talk about race because I think that's just where I am in my life that strikes me the most but um I do think it's a guilt like you know I've made it to this point so then I want to make sure people behind me or my family can still have an attachment to it so even if it's not like being a psychiatrist it could be like you know running for the society like I'm sure you guys get calls about things so I think it's um it is like a a burden that we carry but it's I think that because of the, the background and the culture and the connectedness that I think we all generally just have you know and it's like a responsibility so 
I do it, but there are definitely times where I'm like, guys, I just, you know, I'm not going to be able to talk about the gossip. Like, you, you guys need to talk. Or, like, where I just won't take it. I'm not going to just be a, an ear for venting. Like, right. if you want to do some work, we'll talk. Gotcha. If you're just going to call me complaining about this or that. Like, so, I, I mean, that's some of the feedback I've gotten. I'm a little too hard. Because I'm like, look, yeah. there's real things that are going on. I'm not going to listen to the, mm, the gossip. Um, although venting helps, but... Yeah. For you to unwind, is it like, what's it like your music you listen to, what, you know, dancing in the kitchen and stuff like that? Yeah. Favorite movie you watch or anything like that? All that. Um, big music head grew up with like a dad that had the Bose stereo or Pioneer, yeah. Pioneer speakers, I think. Oh, y'all so was fancy. We were fancy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he liked to spend his, his money on. Sweet. So yeah, music is like really important to me. Um, Obviously, like, you know, everything is love is out now, so I'm listening fire. to that. Fire. Um, fire. It's the rock. Ah, right? But, it, I mean, it's really such a good album. And I love, like, what they're doing in terms of just, I don't know. I just I think. I've never seen it before. I've never seen that. It's like matrimony. Is the word? Matrimony. Yes, yeah, it is. In an album. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. And it's actually, like. If you think about like subliminals that people get all the time, uh, it's like a dope message for like oh, yeah. young people. Like now, it's actually okay to like have one person that you want to be with and work through things, and like have your child and have them be like around your work and still, you know, put on like mom doesn't you know Beyonce's mom and she's still got it going on. She's not like okay, I'm gonna do this because Blue's watching, but that and just even like how relationships can have a place where things can get tough. But then, like, how do you overcome it together? Anyways, like, I know that's not the goal. But that's uh, that's what yeah, I love about it. Um, so, yeah, music, clearly for me, it just, like, get, gets me in a space where I can think about and be distracted. So I love music, and I do dance in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Like, um, all that stuff is good, good for your soul. You have to express yourself in ways that let that energy out, you know, just get the endorphins that you release when you're hearing something good or dancing. So those are my go-tos. Absolutely. Yeah. Fire. So yeah, uh, Jessica has a, Dr. Jessica has a, a workshop coming up at Jazz. Make sure to send me um, a workshop with Jessica Clemens and Sandy Preston on Saturday, June 23rd, 4 to 6.30 p.m. at 410 Marcus Gar- Garvey Boulevard. Go. Yeah. And um, you can look it up at www.n and yogastudios.com backslash workshops serving myself session three relationships right yep fire what's that about so it's really that now that's my brainchild sandy and i really it's like serving myself yes relationships yes so okay (laughs) it's we go deep so like the the workshop itself is called serving myself and it's basically a self-empowerment series where we have different sessions that have different topics. Mm. And what we try to do is give people like a deeper understanding about themselves by exploring each topic. So you, we usually have a prompt and we'll have people like write in a journal about it. I don't want to give all the details because it's, you know, our brain, is it like, what is it called when it's like your brain? brain yes, and like, I don't want to get that, That's all those right. details. But yeah. it's it ends up being, I think, an experience that people walk away and feel connected with each other because it's a group. Um, but you don't have to be at every session. So if someone's like interested in coming, you just sign up. Um, 
and I, and I've been really pleased when I've like seen people out because we had a we had a mixer a couple weekends ago. I heard it was lit. Actually, I saw the photos. It looked like a royalty in there. <laughs> it, it was like, lit. It was lit. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty lit. Um, we did it at Ode to Babel. Oh, sweet. So that's a great spot. So, I mean, just some of them were there, some of the people who came to the group, and just seeing how they were, like, talking together. And, like, so anyways, it's important to the point about connectedness. Like, they now have this experience. um, And the feedback I got was just, like, I'm still thinking about some of the stuff or I had this breakthrough. Um, Because everything lies within, right? The answer really is inside. Mm -hmm. It, It really is. Like, that's. If you, or if you never take the time to, to go inward, and what I mean by that is like processing the stuff that's hard, the stuff you keep getting wrong, it, you'll never really get to the next phase in your life. Like you, when, when you go inward, that's when everything is just like, I mean, look, Jay-Z goes to therapy and look at what he's probably been able to accomplish because he's like that's a good point. learning about himself. Jigga man is in therapy. Right. Isn't that dope? I think, it's, I think it's so dope. I think it's the evolution of... Uh, Hove alone is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? From like the street kids, a hustler to what he is now is it's like wow. It's crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it was super dope to have you on. We asked all our guests this on Driven Lines. Okay. Um, we asked them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the suspense is killing me. <laughs> <right. laughs> right, right. No, it's a simple question. I don't know why this, it's a thing now. Uh, okay. Drum roll, please. That's my smartphone, I'm sorry. Okay. Let me help you find your tongue. The question is um, what drives you, what keeps you going, what wakes you up in the morning to keep doing your thing, finding the self will to, you know, being Dr. Jessica? Love. Love keeps me going. Um, Honestly, it does. I just have this belief that, like, anything that's placed in my heart and mind is there for a reason. And so it's my duty to, like, pursue it until the day that I, like, can't anymore. Life is so short. We only have so many years before, like, things are functioning, you know? So love really gets me up and going. Like, love and the belief that I can actually change something. Even if it's small, even if it's one person, that—that's what gets me up. Right. For sure. That's fine. Where can we find you on the socials? So until I officially get the uh, my name changed on social media, Instagram is Jessica and the Great. All right. If you search that, by the time this comes out, maybe it will be Ask Dr. Jess. But I'm trying to get Instagram to switch it, but they won't. So right now it's Instagram Jessica and the Great. Um, and then my website that we are revamping is askdrjess.com. Fire. Awesome. Yeah. Thank oh. you very much for uh, visiting with us this evening. Very definitely appreciate you for coming by. Thank y'all for having me. Definitely. This is an honor. No doubt. Like we appreciate always say that. this time. Stay driven, y'all. Stay driven. <laughs>